0: The Spot Track Podcast,
1: talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. There's no better place for all sports coverage across all landscapes, long form, short form, commentary, podcasts, the works, then the athletic. Featured articles on Jacob DeGrom today. MLB Power Rankings are out finally. We're about a month into that season. And uh, of course the NBA crystal balls and the postseason picture is coming together. Plenty to get to not to mention it is NFL draft week, of course. So the athletic is covering it. Spot track is covering it and you can find the latest athletic articles on spot track.com as well. Visit the athletic.com slash spot track today. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. My name is Mike Ginetti. Happy Monday. Happy draft week. Scott Allen will be here soon to break down tons of numbers, draft bets, some odds, some picks, some trades, the Orlando Brown movement, some big spenders and drafts, positionally speaking where do things generally fall over the past 10 years, 20 years, tons of nerdy numbers. I want to start with this. How many of you, I did not because I'd never looked. How many of you know the story about the first ever NFL draft pick? 1936, the Philadelphia Eagles took a running back. Of course it was a running back. <laughs> from the University of Chicago, Jay Perwanger, The number one overall selection in the very first NFL draft. Here's the story. The Eagles didn't want to pay his bonus and his salary was going to be about $1,000 per game. So instead of signing him, after drafting him, they traded him to the Chicago Bears, which is the most NFL thing ever, right? The first ever pick is a running back who goes then to the Chicago Bears. Berwanger didn't even want to go to a professional team. He didn't even want to be drafted. So the number one pick in the first ever NFL draft, didn't want to play, <laughs> didn't want to go to a play, an NFL team. He, he wanted to remain an amateur. Why? Because he was a decathlon athlete, and he wanted to go to the 1936 Summer Olympics, except for he didn't make the team. So he decides, all right, I guess I'll play football. He wants $15,000 a year from the Chicago Bears in 1936 to be their running back as the number one overall pick. The Bears offered him $13,500 a year. He declined it and never played a game. (laughs) He never signed, ever. That's the story of the number one overall pick in the history of the NFL draft. It's the most NFL story ever. That's it. That's our open today. Let's bring in Scott and talk some football. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Dynasty Owner. If you think you're having the most fun playing fantasy football with your friends, you're wrong, because I'm guessing your league does not include real NFL contracts, real GM moves, all of the transactions that have to happen on a daily basis. When your player signs an extension, it matters to your roster. You've got to stay under the salary cap. You've got to actually make the moves. You've got to think like the real GMs, just like they are this week during the NFL draft. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. Get yourself going. It can be a for fun league. It can be a cash prize league. There's plenty of options. It's a great app. It's a great website. Super easy to keep up with on a weekly basis. And oh, by the way, your bench points count. So it's not just a starting lineup, but it's your entire roster. It's a team building process that matters all year round. It's super fun. Super different. And it is worth your time. DynastyOwner.com. Scott, welcome to the show. Happy draft week. Let's start here. Um, A lot of talk about, obviously, jockeying for position, who's going to jump up into the top 10. That's just speculation. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's throw some reality into this just a little bit without, you know, getting super nerdy here, but I want to start here. There's obviously plenty of data out there to support, you know, which teams have the most draft picks, but... I think you and I have discussed this enough that it's not so much about the quantity, but obviously where those picks lie. And I think the top 100 is a good spot, a good cutoff point for draft power, especially for uh, teams in the NFL here. So of these teams who have major top, top 100 draft, I guess quantity, who are you most excited for? for the next couple of days here. Hmm. I mean, Jacksonville kind of feels like they can't do wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, if they take a left tackle, a running back, a wide, whoever they take with the second first round pick, or if they trade out of it, we're all going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it doesn't really yes. matter. Yes. Um, I guess if it's ETN and there's a, a connection to Trevor Lawrence, there's something to talk about there. And by the way, there's some money to be made, which we'll get to in a moment. But, you know, which one of these teams, if I give you Jags, Dolphins, Jets, Raiders, Browns, Washington football team, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who have at least four top 85 picks over the next three, four days here, which one of those teams kind of intrigues you the most?
0: I think the Raiders, to be honest. Did you not expect them to be
1: there? Because I did not.
0: I I did not expect them to be there. But now that I see them, I feel they're intriguing because of Gruden and uh, Mayock. They've had a couple years there and they sort of need to do something. They've
1: sucked. (laughs) Their draft picks have absolutely sucked. And Arden Key is already off the team. (laughs) Okay. Yes. And they've already essentially paid a running back to compliment i don't know supplant josh jacobs i don't know what Kenyon drake's doing there right now but at least seeing this four top 80 picks kind of justifies somewhat like small percentage points the craziness that we saw from them this offseason which was basically disheveling their offensive line after a halfway solid season um I understand it from the left tackle point. Colton Miller moves over, gets a huge contract. He's going to be the future there. But with this kind of power, you can have some fun. You know, you can go and get the second to third best left tackle or, you know, right tackle in this draft, left guard in this draft. They have some weapons. They drafted a weapon last year early. And like I mentioned the running back situation. They have one of the best value tight ends in all of football and Darren Waller. So, weapon wise they're probably not going to be you know in play too much here with these top 40 these top 80 picks. So these could be edge rushers, cornerbacks, you, you know, offensive linemen positions that have a lot of depth in this draft. So seeing them here makes me feel better about them. I'm not sure I'm excited about it because their drafting has been god awful under this current regime, but I feel a little bit better about the craziness we saw from them. To, to me, Scott, the the Dolphins, you know, for all of, all of what they've done, all of what they've gone through, my God, two months ago they were, it, it was a an all but certainty that Deshaun Watson was going to be their quarterback this year. I mean, that's how that's how quickly things have changed with the Dolphins. Except for this, they're still a pretty darn good team. I, I think they're the second best team in the AFC East. They're one of the contenders in the AFC as a whole already. There's some holes to fill, you know, the Calavan Noy situation. There's some easy holes to fill. You know, they can, they're going to get one of the top pass catchers in this draft. That's going to immediately vault them into one of the better offenses in the AFC. Five top 81 picks. Um, for a team that's already above average, that's danger. That's dangerous territory. You know, if they hit three of those, that's a very successful situation for Miami for the next couple of seasons. So I look especially at them as ext- having two. Go ahead. Especially having two in yeah. the top eight. I, you know, I know.
0: I mean that that is that is franchise changing. It was a very comeback.
1: very smart trade back.
0: It was
1: very smart. And you know you can you can talk about the fact that you know maybe they miss out on Kyle Pitts because of where they are, and that stinks. Yeah, you know I think that that's probably going to be a regret at some point. But they're going to be in the Chase Waddle conversation, and that should be enough because that team is, like I said, above average already. Already, already some smart moves from them. I expect uh, a couple of flashy names to come on that roster, and they should be right there, right there. And speaking of which, I put 1A as the Browns. I mean, the Browns have, have had successful offensive drafts now for the past couple of seasons. They've acquired the right players via trade, which, you know, I'm I'm kind of a geek for. I think that's the right approach for teams that smell success, but aren't quite there yet. And instead of throwing Hail Marys or trading way up into drafts to try to get one guy, just poach somebody off a roster, you know, overpay in terms of draft trade compensation and go get a proven entity, which the Browns have done now in a couple of a couple of different instances and i don't think they're done i think there's still room to do that if they want to move on from an in-joke or a player like that so uh, i i like the fact that they've got top 4 top 81s you know obviously they're in the in the low 20s in terms of their first pick but they made two incredible actually three really great defensive acquisitions this off season in john johnson troy hill and Jadavian clowney who are just going to add depth and success production to that defense you know they're That's a team right there, Scott, where if they have a guy, right? Like what if Kyle Pitts is their guy and they decide, you know what? That's it. That's the one piece we want to pull out of 2021 right now. And they forfeit their entire draft to go and get him from Atlanta. Is that the dumbest thing in the world for Cleveland to do that? No. I don't think so either. And the fact that we've heard nothing from them makes me think maybe they're thinking about something like this.
0: In one of the notes that I wrote down here to to remember, so I would remember to bring it up was, don't you feel that this draft is a draft that teams – should trade up if they feel that there is a guy that they must have because of a down cap year. This draft is actually value compared to what the next couple drafts are going to be because we know that the cap is most likely going to go up and then that media money is going to come in and it's going to go up even more. So this draft I feel like is a massive value draft and if you have a guy like Pitts that you feel is going to put you over the hump to get either into the playoffs or deep or get to the Super Bowl. now is the draft to do that.
1: Um, yeah. In terms of the rookie wage scale, it's basically the 2018 draft, right? Yes. Yeah. It's the Baker draft. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're shaving a couple of million off right there just because of the cap deficiency. So there's no question that, you know, from a financial standpoint over the next four to five seasons, your first round picks are going to be extra special value. Um, couple of notable teams here. The Chargers have four top 97s. This is the team I feel least positive about. To me, they're saying all the wrong things <laughs> right now. They hit lightning in a bottle with their quarterback. They brought in an offensive lineman who they were paid for. It's fine. I mean, that's, that's one way to do it, you know, free agent spending. I, I just don't think this team does enough on a regular basis, and this is a new regime. This is not the same old Chargers, so... I I think that they've limped into 2021 subsequently. I don't love their weapon set. They just kind of let Hunter Henry walk off into the darkness. They didn't replace him, in my opinion. So they've got work to do. And they have a very important first Thursday and Friday, in my opinion, to, to sort of get themselves back in the conversation of having a roster that's worthy of having Justin Herbert, because to me they're trending more towards a Sam Darnold situation than they are a Josh Allen situation right now. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on that I, I just, I don't feel great about them. I don't think I feel strong enough about the Dallas Cowboys. Where are you with this team? Because don't you feel like the the drama surrounding this team is kind of self-imposed, <laughs> Right. If you if you just look at <laughs> yeah. the roster, and you know they're going to take a cornerback number ten, which they're just going to they're going to take a cornerback. Doesn't that just put them in? I mean, light years ahead of everybody else in that NFC East, in your opinion?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know about light years. I, I I do like what Washington has done, and if they can figure out that quarterback situation for the long term. Well, that's it though. <laughs> it, it, think about the is. rest
1: of the division from a quarterback standpoint, Scott.
0: Yeah, but look at what happened last year, you know, a fluke thing of Dak, you know, the the Carson Wentz debacle, uh, you know, Saquon was not there from a running back standpoint for the Giants, which doesn't help Daniel Jones to a certain extent. So a lot could happen, you know, Fitz could come in there and win them seven games and then whoever else comes in, maybe they draft a quarterback in this draft and Mm -hmm. we go from there. So. I think in looking at what Dallas has as their draft, they have picks in every round, but they're very heavy on the back end. If I'm them, I'm packaging those to get up to another fourth
1: or another third because you have some, I think it's about moving up in that second round for them, Scott. I do. I think they're going to get their guy number 10 overall. They don't, they won't have to move there, but I think you're right about pumping some of those mid rounders up to get up in the second round to get, Whatever their second best biggest need is in their opinion, I think that's right, Scott.
0: Yeah, and Jerry Jones is not afraid to
1: move, and and (laughs)
0: he just having just signed Dak. You have uh, Zeke, who we've been talking about for a few years now. You have Amari Cooper. Yeah, you've got these pieces that you need to hit now. And I think Jerry's going to push that button of, all right, we need to move up. We need to get these players in our system right now because we need to win now because I am not getting any younger and I
1: want to win. I want to get to the Super Bowl again. Okay, so real quick, let's talk about Washington because there's a lot to love in that roster and they got better. Uh, I mean, bringing Curtis Samuel in is better. That made him better. There's no question about it. They've solidified their offensive line. You know, I expect an, an extension for Brandon Scherf days after the draft, depending on how things go, unless they find his replacement, which I can't imagine they will. Uh, that won't be a need. So so let me ask you this, and, and I don't know if it's, it's something you've kind of heard down in that neck of the woods. Is there some hope that they do what we just kind of targeted for the Browns, that it is about getting that quarterback And that they should forfeit much of their draft to go up and get that guy. If it's Trey Lance, if it's Justin Fields, you know, one of those fringe guys who could fall a little bit and and maybe be worth the move up for them. Or is this going to be something where they're just going to take the best available this year and see what they have. From what I've I've listened to,
0: I've heard both sides of that coin. Um, From, from my guess is if, a quarterback falls to them, then they're likely to take them. But if not get what you need around them and then go to next season.
1: I just think it's uh, the defense is pretty close. There's no question. Certainly the defensive line is there. Um, You know, there's a halfway decent set of weapons. It just seems like there's one missing piece. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you have that, Did they not do enough in the terms of free agency then? Or are they adequate? You know, do they feel adequate with Ryan Fitzpatrick for a season? It's just nobody ever feels that way at the end of the season. You love to have the guy, but he's not a 17-week guy. He's just not. So, you know, should they have gone bigger? Should they have been more aggressive for a staff or more aggressive for some of those players who are out there? Taking a shot on Carson Wentz even, you know what I mean? It's not the worst idea in the world
0: and and that was some of the talk down here of you know there there was a lot of quiet on the Deshaun Watson front and they were from the guys that I listened to they were under the impression of I just want to know that you made a yeah. a a bid for those types of players just to know that you checked a box and you you are doing your due diligence instead of just going with the you know fifth sixth seventh best guy in free agency and you're just you're you're having that stopgap for one year they want them to take charge and and move forward because they haven't had a franchise changing quarterback in what 25 30 years oh, griffin
1: so. rg3 yeah. was definitely that player he, he had a chance for sure um
0: but it didn't pan out, and and that's what they mean. You, you know, they're looking for someone that has the longevity. You know, it, it like a Matt Ryan who's been there, and Aaron sure. Rodgers who's been there. They want that player or a Big Ben, someone that is a staple that you know moving forward that you're going to have. And you know, I, we know Fitzpatrick is not that person. He is a stopgap. So will I be surprised if Washington? Makes a move if a, if some of these quarterbacks you know on the outside the five six seven quarterback mm-hmm. uh, fall I'm not going to be surprised if they go for that knowing that they have Fitzpatrick that can play say the first six seven games to to you know let the new guy see how things work and then bring him in because we know that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is that's why he went to Miami you know he 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 did what he needed to and then Tua came in. So I will not be surprised if Washington makes a move.
1: It's interesting. That division's interesting because it's comically bad on one side and maybe we're underselling it on the other side. You know, the Giants did a lot, maybe too much in terms of, you know, financially speaking, but there's that division is never boring. Never, never, never. And it won't be this year either. Some quick stats you threw out here, Scott, that I I appreciate. It Shouldn't surprise anybody, but the number one pick has been a quarterback 70% of the time. Okay, that's pretty yeah, since
0: But since the 2011 rookie scale came in, so yeah. Yeah, I based it off of that rookie scale because of the,
1: you know... Sure, the modulation. The, the
0: finances yeah. are built in. So, yeah, I found that interesting. 70% last three have been quarterbacks. Um That number two slot, 40% of quarterbacks. But the last two years have been defensive ends. So we, we pretty much think and know that it's going to be a quarterback this year in in number two slot. Number three slot has been heavy on defensive end, but the last three years have been quarterback, defensive end, and then quarterback. So, um, and then i really found this interesting, that fourth spot, because we've been hearing, there is that chance of if Atlanta goes out or Atlanta takes a quarterback in that fourth spot, fourth spot, there has not been a quarterback drafted in this rookie scale era wow it's been he- heavy of uh offensive line and wide receiver 30 percent for each of them so i found that interesting that no quarterback has been drafted so that's consistently
1: been kind of the turning point pick yes yeah it has know, and it will be this year as well all, all intense um the t- the highest t- pick a tight end has been taken is sixth overall do you know who that is off the top of your head and and that's overall through At through history forever i believe it
0: was forever and that is uh kellen winslow jr and i believe vernon davis was the other one
1: yeah wow so it's uh i imagine that record gets broken this year that seems like a slam dunk uh either at four or five i guess it could be six and actually uh, let's let's focus our attention on on what could be scott because you know nothing can happen without gambling being involved anymore it's just the way we are and These leagues are directly tied at the hip to many of these sports books. So there's plenty of intricate odds out there for the upcoming draft. I I hope you have taken some time to look at some of these because you can get down a rabbit hole pretty darn quickly on on however you want to kind of manipulate this thing. So, I mean, for instance, if you just want to lose some money, did you see the odds on Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick? No, I did not. Looking for it right now. Minus 100,000. Wow. Holy cow. I'm going to guess there's not much action on that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's about as good of a slam dunk as you can get. Zach Wilson is plus. I mean, it's not even worth looking at it. So let's move to number three. This 49ers pick that they gave up heaven and hell to get to. There's a report this morning from the NFL Network guys that they're talking to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. And they've been talking to those two repeatedly. So according to NFL Network, that's what the number three pick is down to. And what have we been preaching every show for the last month? Take the believe nothing, Scott, believe nothing. If they're saying it, it's because somebody wants them to say it. If I'm a betting man, I'm looking at Justin Fields, number three overall at plus six fifty, and I'm salivating. I'm salivating at the chance to throw 50 bucks at that because. And Fields is from there, isn't he? uh, Just, it doesn't, he, he had a great pro day. Everybody's loving him. San Francisco was out there loving him on his pro day. He had all this, he, he had a big boom for about a week and then it calmed down. And you know what that means? You know why he calmed down in terms of the social media and, and, and the aggregates? Because teams wanted that to happen. Because there's a lot of people in the, in the background going, holy crap, I think this is the guy we want. And, and oh, by the way, the Jets could be one of them. <laughs> the, who knows if the Jets are absolutely taking Zach Wilson? They may have had the same reaction with Justin Fields. And because, oh, by the way, six months ago, it was going to be Trevor Lawrence one, Justin Fields two, and nobody was even supposed to talk about it. That was the absolute guaranteed going to be the one-two pick in the draft. Yeah. So here we are with speculation and hot stove and Twitter, and we've got 97 names that could go number three overall. And now it's down to two, and I don't believe it's either of those two. Now it could be, but why can't it be Justin Fields? It absolutely can be. Throw $50 at plus 650 on Justin Fields, please. Um, because there's yeah, no reason he, it shouldn't be.
0: And you did say last week, do not believe Nothing. anything that is said even, right even now. Even the
1: most accredited reporter out there, they're being fed information for a reason. Yes, somebody yeah, told them, "Hey, we're talking to Trey. We had a second call with Trey Lance. They're not lying. It happened. But the fact that they were faxed, they're emailed, they're texted this information is on purpose. It's part it- of the game." And that does not mean that
0: they haven't been talking to Justin Fields. They've just been pushing that. They're they just not reporting that they're talking two. to Justin
1: Fields. That's right. Yes. That's right. So please do don't not let can- Twitter sway your gambling. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get a more, little more specific with these. Cause some of these are really fun, Scott. Speaking of which Justin Fields draft position, the over-under is three and a half. How convenient. Yes. And under three and a half is plus 500, which means if you believe everything I just said, that there's a really good chance that San Francisco has been blowing smoke up our butts and it's going to be fields going number three, there is quite a lot of money to be made. That's plus 1150 right there. If you believe that it's going to be number three to San Francisco and under three and a half, that's two bets on Justin Fields right there. Um, Trey Lance is interesting. I thought the six and a half was, was, was a fun number for him because he's been kind of up and down this top 10. And at some reports, even out of the top 10, same with Justin Fields, by the way. Um, oh, by the way, Mac Jones, three and a half, which means FanDuel believes there's as good a chance that Mac Jones is number three that Justin Fields is. That, that's where we are. Trey Lance is six and a half the fourth quarterback being, yeah. being bet on this, on this sports book. So I just take it with a grain of salt and have fun with this. If you want to, if you want to bet it, have some fun with it. It is, it is a crapshoot. There's many teams that don't know what they're doing right now. Trust me. Um, what else? I, I I listed a bunch here. What else kind of tickles your fancy here, Scott, Betwise.
0: Hmm. You yep. know, First wide receiver is interesting because of all the wide receivers we've been talking about. Is it going to be a Chase, a Waddle, a Smith, or some of those other on the outsides there? But, you know, depending on who trades up, who trades down, where – you know, if if Kyle Pitts does go to four and that shifts everything down or someone does want that quarterback, you know, some of these wide receivers are super interesting. So, I mean – they're saying Chase is probably the, the overall he's favorite. The, either, he's the slam but, dunk
1: favorite to be the first wide receiver,
0: yes. But if you have a team that for some reason wants to take a chance on those other two, you can make some pretty good coin, plus 850 and plus 900 for Waddle and Smith. Um, so I, I actually, that Scott,
1: I like his over-under. And I kind of laid out a scenario here that might work for you. So his over-under is five and a half, Jamar Chase. And if you want to take the over on this, you can get positive odds for it. And here's just a quick scenario how this happens. It's not hard. There's three quarterbacks in a row. Okay, your first three picks are quarterbacks. Atlantic trades out of number four to a team that wants the fourth quarterback, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, whoever that's going to be. Then Cincinnati does the right thing. And doesn't take Pitts, and and doesn't take doesn't take uh, you know Sewell or or excuse me doesn't you know go off the board. They take they take Sewell Perry Sewell their left tackle to solidify their Joe Burrow offensive line, and then Jamar Chase goes number six or even number seven if Kyle Pitts is still there, right? If if that means Kyle Pitts falls to six in Miami's lap, then Chase is now seventh, eighth, wherever. So in other words, Chase is almost a lock to go over if four running backs, if four quarterbacks are taken early. If you believe that, that Lance, Fields, Jones, Lawrence, Wilson could all go top 10-ish and that somebody may have to sneak up there into Atlanta's pick to do it, then this is a pretty easy bet for you. That everybody else is going to have to fall back and the over-under should all hit over. So, I mean, you can kind of read those tea leaves in terms of what you think might happen and who may jump up to to Atlanta spot. Let's spend a minute and a half on Atlanta here, Scott, because a lot of those kind of premonitions you and I have thrown out there, and it's hard not to look away from this team because they are in cap. They're, they're still not great cap wise. They can't afford their draft pool right now. And oh, by the way, eight teams currently cannot afford their, their top 51 draft pool. I ran those numbers this morning. So. You know, there's a lot of teams that are going to have to do work just to get themselves compliant with these draft picks unless they trade back. And that's another reason to talk Atlanta here. Trading back probably makes the most sense for that franchise on multiple levels, from a cap perspective, from a fill more needs perspective, as you and I have laid out, um, and just acquiring draft picks. You know, Next year, maybe next year's first, you get a, you get a good deal on. There's just a lot of good reasons to do it. Here's a reason why I probably I think they probably aren't going to do it. The report this morning, again, not an accident, something that I have talked about since December when I first launched my roster bubble report. And the name I put at the top of the list and the picture I put on top of the article was Julio Jones. Because mm-hmm. Julio Jones, A, he doesn't want to be here for a rebuild, doesn't deserve to be here for a rebuild. And yes, I understand Matt Ryan's probably going to be the quarterback this year because of his contract and because he's still got some some life left in him. But it is the right time to move on from, from Julio Jones. And that time is June second. That time is post-June first when you can get some cap relief in doing so. It's not a lot of cap relief. But if they trade Julio Jones, don't you believe that they're going to take Kyle Pitts as the cheaper maybe as productive replacement for the next four to five seasons yeah, and run a Kansas city type offense for Matt Ryan, where it's a lot of, you know, seam routes for tight ends and and Mm -hmm. Gronk style out rounds. And it's a good transition for the Falcons. If they have to go that route and look, they just probably don't want to afford Julio Jones, nor do they want to run him through this ringer. So, start thinking about your destinations for that guy, because we could be six weeks away from somebody getting an absolute stud of a wide receiver. After all the dust settles, after free agency, after, after the draft, after UDFAs, June 2nd, Julio Jones becomes financially available. Who, who, who does that benefit? You know what I mean? Which contender looks at that and says, Holy God, we got to get this done.
0: If you're a team do you do you you pull a trade now sort of like Kansas City did with Baltimore, which I know you're gonna we're gonna get to yeah. f- for the offensive line? Do you do you make that trade now for Julio if you're a team that's in the back end of the first round or in the second round, knowing that you're getting that experience? And we talked about this making these trades for the players instead of for these draft picks because of the experience and everything that goes along with it. Is there any chance that that happens on draft day or you think it's more likely that they'll they'll sit pat they'll they'll do their draft take a pitch or even if they may they, they get out of four and take one of these wide receivers to replace julio and then trade julio after the draft
1: i think they'd love to include julio as part of the draft conversation they can't do it scott if they trade him before June 1st, they will lose $200,000 in cap space. <laughs> so a post-June 1st trade of Julio clears them 15.3 million. They need it. And that's the route they will go if they trade him. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying that's what I've been looking at now for almost six months, truly, is, hey, there's an out here on Julio Jones. And if the Falcons are going to be bad again, or even forcibly bad, you know there was a chance that they were going to rip up Matt Ryan before they restructured him. So uh, I've been identifying this for a while. I think it is the right time for him. I just can't put my finger on a team. Yeah. Who, who's going to but- flex for Julio Jones? Because it is going to be, it's still 15 plus cap in cash to get him this year. You could restructure that, I guess. But um, and then there's, then there's a, a 2 million guaranteed next year. It's basically nothing. It's basically a one-year deal. So a- every contender's in, including guess who? Kansas City of course
0: yeah of course they're in
1: (laughs) absolutely of course because
0: outside of Hill and
1: Kelsey it's Hardman um, and Pringle and 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 some nice players but my goodness you throw this ball in
0: yeah you you get a hula you know you make a great point with that cap space because having to wait until June 1st to actually apply that June 1st yeah you know uh, cap help they would not necessarily be able to sign their draft picks until then because of, you know, juggling, not going over the cap. You're going to see Scott this
1: year, a lot of draft picks signed like the end of July (laughs) because teams need time to figure it out and move some money around and restructure whatever it's going to take. So there's going to be a lot of late play like that, but, but Scott, it's not an accident that Monday, April 26th, the Julio Jones trade rumors are hit, hit, hit the internet. No, it's God, not no. an accident. No. They want everybody who's thinking wide receiver in this draft to pull back and be like, well, 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 now what the hell do we do? Do we go for it? the fourth wide receiver in this draft or do we do we stockpile defensive players, move some assets around and get ourselves positioned to acquire Julio Jones? Like, for instance, the, that f- smoke screen, though, too, <laughs> it, it is, but it isn't. Even if it is, it's it's calculated. You want every team in the league now to to second guess what they're doing this this week because this guy may be sitting there June second, and and you want to have assets you know kind of stockpiled for it. It could even be one of these picks. What if it is Kyle Pitts? (laughs) You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. What what if they want to acquire Kyle Pitts for Julio Jones on June second from whoever drafts him? That's possible. It's doable. It'd be crazy. I don't know why you do it from a financial standpoint, but. Look, the, the easy team for this, and it's the team everybody's been talking about for months now, is San Francisco. Of course, Kyle Shanahan wants Julio Jones. Right? Knows yeah, exactly yeah, how great. to use the guy. And you got a brand new quarterback coming, and you're deficient in the wide receiver role anyway. That, that's exactly what he, what he's going to want. So that's going to be the favorite out of the gate. But look, Miami, we know Miami w- wants to get better there. The Jets better want to get better <laughs> for, for whoever the quarterback's going to be, because we've talked about their weapons. They just mm-hmm. don't have enough right now. So there's going to be some real world players for this. But it, again, this is one of those calculated moves that I do think has some legs. And I've, I've thought this since December. So certainly keep an eye on it. And uh, just like I said, start to think about the, which destinations could really, really get some bang for buck out of this one. Because it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to take an overpay. But I do think there'll be multiple teams ready to overpay when the time is coming. All right. Anything else? I, we got to talk running backs in this draft, Scott because the the gambling is swaying me in a direction. I didn't think I was going to be pushed the first running back drafted minus one nineties, Najee Harris. Have you done a lot of reading on this draft? I mean, are you kind of versed in how this thing could or should kind of fall into place? Mm, yeah, I, I know that there's a, a chance that only one running
0: back goes in the first round, yeah. most likely towards the back end, like, uh, uh, Edwards Hilaire, um and then heavy in the second and third rounds
1: right so the, the 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 kind of going conversation right now is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take Najee Harris what I think it's 24th overall I I'm going to mince words on that one I think that's the worst pick ever <laughs> okay I think that's an absolute disaster for them Yes, they're not going to get their quarterback there. I, I'm not going to kill them for that. They're just not in the right spot for a quarterback, even though I don't know if any team in the league needs a quarterback more in 2022 than the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it's just not the right move. I Najee mean, Harris is not going to win you a Super Bowl in 2021. Mm-mm, no, nobody you pick there is going to. But why would you restart? Why would you start your rebuild with that? Do You understand what I'm saying? I do. You've got defensive weapons. You brought back Schuster on a one-year deal. You've got some nice you know, wide receiver weapons that could stick around for two to three years on the rookie contracts. If I'm them, they lost their left tackle. They lost their center. They lost their right guard. They are gutted at the offensive line, and they didn't do much to replace it. They brought back old players who used to be Steelers on minimum contracts to kind of patch this together with some familiarity with Brent Roethlisberger. Well, that's going to last you eight, eight months. And then you're back to square one, literally almost with every position on that line. That's the only pick you take here. Uh, Najee Harris is a hell of a player. I had a ton of fun watching from Alabama. I am not against running backs in the first round. I'm not, if it's the right spot. They've also had so much success in Pittsburgh, taking second, third, fourth round running backs and putting them into Hall of Fame position. I mean, like they do this with wide receivers. They've done it with running backs. Why would they go off script here? just because they're in the spot where that guy is going to be there and it may be the right time to take him, that, that That's not, to me, that's not good enough that you got to take the fourth best left tackle in this draft and gr- start to groom him for 2023. That that's the yes. only move in this, in this position for me. With that said, if they don't do it, I think there's a very good chance. Travis Etienne is the first running back taken here. Very good chance because those are two very different running backs. One is more of a yeah. ground and pound, three three down kind of guy, and you're, and Travis Etienne is more of your, you know, Delvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, you know, can get outside the, the tackles a little bit, can certainly catch the ball, has some downfield ability as well, and we've you know the the attraction for Jacksonville is going to be there. There's no question about it. And any of those contenders late, anyone anyway, Buffalo, I'm, I'm sure they're they're looking at Etienne late at pick 30, whatever they're going to be. So I do think that if Pittsburgh comes to their senses and decides, Hey, we got to be boring here for the betterment of this franchise over the next two to three to four years, we got to be boring. That's, that's a hell of a player, but that's the kind of guy we can get next year. It just is. We, we can, Mm -hmm. we can find that player next year and we can probably find 95% of that player in free agency next year. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the going rate with running backs. So if, they're, if they come to their senses and they understand who they are right now, I think there's good money and positive odds on Travis Etienne being the first running back taken off the board. And let me take it one more level. FanDuel Sportsbook has an exact order bet, which is kind of like horse racing, right? Where you got to I pick the win that. play show. Yes. It's four players. It's Jamar Chase. Well, it's, it's kind of a combination of a bunch of different players. So let's look at the wide rece- first wide receiver, first running back, first offensive lineman drafted. Three players, a three-player combo. If you believe everything I just said, and there's probably not many of you out there, and you also believe that Chase will go first in terms of wide receivers, which is like the overwhelming favorite, and that Penny Sewell is going to be your top offensive lineman, which I I can't believe... Has has anybody heard otherwise at all?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that seems like
1: (laughs) the second biggest slam dunk in the draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. If you want Chase, ETN, and Sewell, you can get plus 270 right now on that. I love that. I love it. All you have to do is hope that Najee Harris slips and you win more than double your money. So that to me is a another one of those bets I absolutely take right now. If I, if I'm sitting with 50 bucks in my hand, what else Scott? I know you got a bunch of numbers here. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap up the draft coverage here.
0: Yeah. I I looked at positional spending over this rookie scale. I mean, we're dealing with 10 years already. It's crazy as it is. You know, I just wanted to see where the bulk of the spending on average was obviously, you know, There's only been 114 quarterbacks drafted since 2011, but they've averaged $7.7 million in total value uh, as far as the contract. And obviously that's because we get heavy in the one, two, three slots Mm of, of the quarterback Um, wide receiver averaged $4.3 million. Which is interesting
1: because there's depth there. I mean, there's there over is. 300 drafted players, so to have that high of a of an average salary is pretty crazy. It, it is. Then you've got
0: running back and tight end, which were very close to each other. Running back was at 3.9 million for 211 players. Tight end was 3.6 million for 138 uh, players drafted. Uh, so very close between that tight end and running back when. you you think of the scope of 10 years worth of of value. Uh, So then I looked at offensive line. So there are 419 players drafted for an average value of four and a half million. And then I, I looked at defensive tackle versus defensive end. So defensive tackle had uh, almost $4.7 million versus the end at $5.1 million. So, on the off on the defensive line, more so the defensive ends are making more by about $500,000 on average. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then to finish it off, I looked at the linebackers, they were at $4.2 million for 366 players versus cornerback, which is $4.4 uh, 4 million. And it looks like I forgot safety. So if I look real quick here, I can get
1: you safety. It's interesting that the tight end is the low bar here to me. It is. But I, I guess never they, having a top five pick, that'll do it. You know, I mean, they just nobody ever reaches that high. So Pitts is really going to reach a whole new level here. He really is.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, safety is at $3.7 million. $3.7 million.
1: Okay, so right in line with the tight ends, that makes sense to me. That's that's kind of where we're going in terms of you're going to have a couple of players who really extend themselves, but for the most part, those are mid round picks, and you can start to throw the running back in that conversation as well. I uh, I did some just some quick Twitter work yesterday while I was watching a plethora of sports, and I tracked basically the last sixteen drafts, um, and and how many players positionally were drafted in the first round. And if you look at the running back situation, um, we peaked in 2008 when there were five first round running backs and we haven't hit four ever, ever since we had, we had three a couple of times, including 2018, which if you look at the 2018 draft, it doesn't exactly bode well for... Well, see, it, there's still some value in taking those players in the first round. <laughs> um, it's just... Uh, it's a really awkward conversation to have. And look, Barkley's great, okay? And he, Barkley's going to make a boatload of money. I'm not going to put that past him. But, you know, Rashad Penny, Sonny Michelle at the back end of that draft, you think that the, their teams are pleased with the $10 million guarantee that they had on those contracts? Even though that's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things, that's valuable picks and $10 million of cash that they've had to spend on absolute bus. And that's unfortunate. Yes. That's unfortunate, but you just got to keep looking at the data here. The data is not lying. Um, we had one in 2019. We had one in 2020. I believe we'll have one in 2021. And that's probably the going rate. You know, if there's two, it's going to be a su- big surprise that there's two running backs in the first round. It's that's just unfortunately where we're going. And over the by the way, there's going to be a breaking point with wide receivers too because yes, we've had some some really nice success, but we have not had good success with top 10 wide receivers. We just haven't. You know, you have your outliers, you know, Beckham and and Julio Jones certainly are are way up that list. But generally speaking, you're finding your better players, the better work ethic, the You know, players going to better teams, which matters. You put a good wide receiver on a bad team; they're a good wide receiver on a bad team. That's just how that works. That wide receivers don't move the needle. They just, you know, and there's so many things that have to happen before the wide receiver has the ability to, to do his job. That if those players before him that precede him in the process aren't up to snuff, up to par, then the whole thing breaks down. So. While the Dolphins are ready to take that pass catcher early on, and they should because they've done their due diligence elsewhere, it's just not common. And I don't think for a lot of teams it's good business. Think about the Detroit Lions for, for all those years, Scott. How many yes. freaking top five wide receivers did they take that either retire because they were miserable or just flat out busted out, I don't know, four to six years into this process? It's just there's a, there's a real logic to when these guys should go. But look, you look back to 2005. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five different drafts where there were six first round wide receivers. I'm pretty sure we're going to have four to five this year. It's I, I believe the over-under is four and a half on wide receivers. Uh, it is four and a half. And, and you can make some money on the under. So it sounds like five is the number for wide receivers in this first round, which is about right. But we may have two in the top 10. We may have a top five. We may have, th- sorry, three in the top 10 here, which is, that's risky business, knowing what we know here. Um, and Friday, by the way, should be a hell of a lot of defense. <laughs> I mean, this is a <laughs> yes, crazily swayed offensive first round from Vegas's standpoint, from mock draft standpoint, just from common common sense standpoint. So uh, I do think that it'll be a lot of weapons on Thursday and a lot of shutdown ball hand ball stoppers on Friday, which is fine. That's, uh, that's just sort of how things are rolling out here. But here's something to think about because you just mentioned the numbers. Uh, it's time to probably start at least researching, looking into the decline of pass rushing, pass rushing prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's draft value, whether that's contract value, things seem to be trending in a different direction with the traditional pass rusher. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with two things. Quarterbacks are getting younger and quarterbacks are getting more mobile and offenses are spreading way out and tight ends are becoming more pass catchers than blockers. There's a, there's just a a shift in the game that is dampening that role specifically. And it's going to have to make that role change. And until you get some guys that can do that, for instance, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, those are not edge rushers. Those are guys who move all over that line, mostly interior wise, that kind of decide where to do their damage based on the scheme they're looking at or the quarterback they're playing or the the wide receiver set that's out there. That to me is where we're going. And those guys are, they're not a dime a dozen. I mean, that's, you know, that's a needle in a haystack guy. But... to me, that's where the money and the draft picks and your top, you know, your number one overall defensive player. That's what that, that's what it looks like right there is more of an interior pass rusher versus your traditional OLBs, your Khalil Mack type player, who's just going to put one hand down and try to get to the quarterback, you know, as much as possible. It's just a different game. And, you know, you don't have those old statue quarterbacks sitting there waiting to be hit anymore. So Something to keep an eye on as we talk about running back devalues and tight end devalues and whatever else is out there. That position may be losing a little bit of luster.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting observation. And, And with that being said, if because the tight end has been devalued to a certain extent, doesn't that make it even more... A slam dunk pick to go with Pitts. If you think he is that game changer yeah. at wide, re- that you he can be a a pass catching wide receiver, but also be a pass blocker, and he is that game changer of a you know uh, a Gonzalez
1: or a he's the Kittle Kelsey Davis or yeah Kittle Kelsey. Yeah, we, or, we have we have the version of him out there right now, and those teams are wildly successful because of it.
0: But because I'm you know, I'm looking at the numbers here, the, the lowest is tight end as far as average over this rookie scale at three point six million spent. So if you have that tight end Well, you Scott, absolutely- that's a great
1: point, but but I think it's actually a piggyback off of the conversation I was just having. Uh, colleges, high schools who have been grooming these tight ends, they're looking at the same stuff we are. So the, you know, they look at the tight end position and say, Well, w- well, wait a minute. Look at what's happening there. look what, look what Kansas City is able to do with Travis Kelsey. Look right. what George Kittle has turned himself into at being a nobody, essentially. And then all of a sudden he's an he's an all pro in the NFL. It's now they're now grooming these players to look and feel and produce like that. So while we've we haven't had a top six tight end picked, we're about to. and I, my guess is Scott that there's three or four more coming. That have just been taught this way. They've been taught to catch the ball like that. Or they've they've taken basketball players and- or, or wide receivers that maybe have a little bit more, you know, moral padding in their in their midsection that can take a hit and said, Hey, we're pulling you inside. You're gonna be a tight end now. Because look at what those guys can do if they're not being guarded by shutdown cornerbacks. They're being guarded by middle linebackers or box safeties or whatever it's gonna be. The the game is evolving not just on this level, Scott, but it's being evolved on the educational level. So I think you're going to start to see more players like that groomed, and their value is just going to be going to stick around. So we should see more top five tight ends as long as college football produces these kind of players.
0: You, you make a great point about the, the the vertical aspect of high school and college. And yeah. if you have if you have those coaches that are watching the next level or next two levels, and you see that gap and you can mold your players yeah. to fit that mold that is not there or there is a weakness, you're going to make those players stand out even more. And I, I hope that we do see the tight end position start to uh, mature in that aspect because of this wide open space game that we are going to because you know that's just going to make that position better. It's going to make teams better. And it's going to make those kids, instead of saying, to a kid, you're going to be a wide receiver and and it's cookie cutter, and you're going to go up against 500 other wide receivers that are just like you, right. You have to stand out, especially like we've talked about this player empowerment. If you can make yourself stand out in a way that is going to, you know, catch the eye of a college scout or an NFL scout early, you know, we see this in basketball. All these scouts are seeing that, this this guy has a he's got a uh, football build but plays like a ba- basketball player or he's got this height and he it, Zion mm-hmm. we've been we've been looking at Zion for years and he has this different build he's got power that we've never seen before in this body and people were analyzing him to the nth degree that's what we need we need coaches and strength conditioning to look at a player and say, you may fit in this route better than that because there's 500 to a thousand other players that look like you well, and are going to do the same thing. What
1: about this? Even, uh, you know, the the position just got sexier. <laughs> you know what I mean, like your high school coach comes to you and says, Hey, I know you can catch the ball with the best of them, but you're running a four, eight right now. Okay, so you're going nowhere as a wide receiver. I want to move you to tight end. Mo- most guys ten years ago are growling at that. No way, you know. I don't want to be blocking for running backs and blah blah blah. Well, now you, you got some studs out there that are kind of you know running the show. They're literally running the league. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are two of the most popular players in the NFL at their positions. Both of them are decent blockers. Both of them are great offensive players. And then of course you know we can't we have to have Gronk in this conversation, who was a do it all. Gronk's one of the best blocking tight ends in the history of the game, and because of his personality, there's nothing boring about that. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's nothing boring about Rob Gronkowski at all in one iota. So there's something to be said about the the actual players who are in those positions right now, Scott. Gronk, Kittle, Kelsey. There's life, uh, there's juice to them. And that's how you get the slower wide receiver with a little bit more build to slide inside And you're right. Get himself into a a position that's much more draftable, much more attractive to those mid, you know, those mid-level D1 colleges where if you've got a a superb tight end and maybe not as great wide receivers, you're going to be the guy. You're going to be the guy on and Tuesday standing out. You know what I mean? So there's a real chance that the Kyle Pitts version of this tight end that we have here is just the next iteration of the tight end position, similar to how running backs had to transition and become pass catchers in order to become viable options anywhere. So it's it's interesting how things have evolved. And here's something that hasn't really evolved. And we'll finish here. Would you be surprised if six quarterbacks go Thursday night?
0: Not at all. I will not be surprised. Explain to me why. Because of the emphasis and the over to some extent overvalued aspect of that quarterback position, because every team knows that that position is the single most vital position that can influence a game and win a game. So even though we know there's about a 50% chance that you're going to hit, a team is going to take that chance because it's a coin flip that if they do hit they'll take it and they'll run with it and then they have their quarterback for the future. And if not, they'll come back next year and they'll draft a quarterback again and and look at what Arizona did. Yeah. Rosen didn't work out, went with Murray. Murray seems to have worked out as uh, up to this point and they're they're moving on from there and they made some trades that are going to make it better and so I will not be surprised if we get six quarterbacks in this first round. I
1: agree with you. And I think Washington may be the team that takes that sixth. I think that's right. I think the four that we we've been talking about here go early, possibly top ten. I think New England finds a way to get one at some point here. And then somebody's going to be sitting there for the Washington football team, pick nineteen ish, and there's your six. It'll be crazy. You can win some money, <laughs> by the way. The over under is five and a half, and the over is the plus plus value. So if you think this could happen, um, man, everything you said is right. And you have to add in the point that this is also a bit of a financial value year and pick 19 is going to be worth, you know, chump change in terms of a five year contract for a quarterback. Um, if you can get that guy, I I mean, look, Lamar Jackson was 32nd. He was 32nd in that draft in 2018. So it doesn't really matter. If you got the guy, it doesn't really matter where you're getting them. That's how important this position is. If you see anybody there and all right, let's finish with this. Which team is going to surprise you by taking a quarterback? Like which team right now that ha- maybe has a quarterback is going to take a quarterback Thursday or Friday. That oh, That's going pulling, to make us pulling, all go. That's
0: pulling pull the Green Bay Packers.
1: Um, well, <laughs> I, I don't think they even got a quarterback, but go ahead. Uh, I don't. I have my team. We've talked about them early on in the show, Scott.
0: Um, I'll say, I'll say Chicago.
1: Okay, but that wouldn't surprise you. I mean, Dalton's on a one-year deal there, and they just let Trubisky walk. Yeah, that's true. Although I guess, I guess this current quarterback is also on basically a no-year deal. There's no guaranteed money. To me, it's the Raiders.
0: It. Maybe if, if they slip, if
1: not, come on, I can
0: see them going that's, next year. That's not how
1: they operate. They are trading up for somebody. <laughs> they are trading up for somebody.
0: They, but yeah, you're right. The, the Raiders are a team that they make some weird picks. I remember last year we were watching and everyone was like, not even just last year. I think it was the last two years. We're like, what are they doing? Yeah. They, they just make some really weird kind of picks. I believe I you're referring
1: you're right. to, oh, who was it? Who was that first round pick? He's actually a nice player.
0: But it's a player that, you know, out of the five players that the the guys on TV are saying, oh, they should take one of these guys. And <laughs> yeah. then it's a guy that is probably projected second round in the Farrell, and the-
1: Farrell. <laughs> We're all like, what, what? This name isn't even on the mock draft board. He's not even there. Number uh, four <laughs> overall.
0: Here is a team that I will say what I could see them taking a quarterback. Yeah. And it's sort of a surprise would be
1: Minnesota. Okay. That's a good one. That's a really, really good one, Scott. That's a really good one because look, Cousins is guaranteed for two more years, but they may punt on that after this year.
0: Well, and they're in 14. So that is that middle round first round. You're like, Ooh, who do I take? And that is a spot we've seen it year after year. Yeah. Those beginning teens, those are where you dra- You move up to seven, eight, nine to get that quarterback. I won't be surprised if Minnesota does something like that. But but, man, but what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. And that, that that's a great transition to my last stat that I have here to finish off. Cousins has
1: fifty-six million guaranteed left, Scott.
0: <laughs> but. It could be, it could be like the Aaron Rodgers situation, where Minnesota needs a a, a quarterback to groom, knowing that Cousins is not going to be our future after
1: mm-hmm.
0: this contract. All right, now, finish us with
1: a stat here. Go ahead.
0: So I bring up Minnesota. Minnesota, since the rookie scale, Minnesota has been the fourth highest spender of draft picks at $404 million. So they've made a lot of draft
1: picks versus getting out. Okay.
0: Yeah. That, that has surprised me. I did not expect them to be in the top five. Cleveland is number one at $476 million spent on draft picks. Uh, That's a lot of number one
1: overalls that have gone by the wayside.
0: (laughs) Correct. Jacksonville is at number two at $430 million. San Francisco is at number three. That kind of surprised me, too. Uh, I, I know they've had some high picks, but they've spent $419 yeah. million. And then, again, Minnesota four. Cincinnati's at five um, at $394 million. Do any of these at the bottom surprise you? New Orleans is the last team. No. Kansas City no. is second last. And Chicago was the third last. Wow. Well.
1: That's because they traded up so much; they forfeited so many mid-round picks and a couple of first-round picks, and they gave away picks for Khalil Mack, right? Picks for Trubisky. Pick, yes. I'm, I'm missing a couple of of moves, but they've had quite a. Quite, they've been active. There's no question about it, and somewhat recklessly, they've been active. So I guess that doesn't surprise me to see him down there. Um, I'm surprised that New England's not down there. You know, I'm surprised that they've made. I guess they've made the majority of their second round picks, which will add up. And, and they like to acquire additional second and thirds from, and certainly from compensatory draft picks. So they're probably right in the middle where they are they, with everything else 18th ish or something.
0: Are, they're actually seven from the
1: bottom. Okay. So 25th. Okay. Um, does New England draft a quarterback or acquire Jimmy Garoppolo? Is this smokescreen or is this? A serious question. That's an absolutely serious <laughs> question. Or do they do none of that? Is Cam Newton the guy, un- basically non-competed against this year? Is he the guy? Wow. There's, if there's no way, okay, they absolutely if, have a chance to get Garoppolo, I mean that's a real thing.
0: It it is a real thing. I think it's not. It won't be a. Oh, wow, this is hard because if San Francisco takes a quarterback, you could wait to see how things look in training camp, and then you could flip Garoppolo to, say, New England if you wanted to. But I, I'd i have to go look and look at the, the, the success as far as – New England has done with trades. I want to say they've done pretty good with trades from what I can remember, or at least acquiring other players outside the draft. Their draft has been horrible.
1: so They've been very good with that.
0: So with that being said, I would rather them acquire a player, not a draft player. Don't draft. They've been horrible at drafting. We saw what they <laughs> we saw what they did last year and we all scratched our head and we're still we're still scratching our head at what they did last year and they they compensated in this free agent market. So if you're New England, I think you 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 make that trade for Garoppolo to go behind Cam and then let them duke it out and go from there because they haven't their drafts have not handout
1: whatsoever i think that's fair I think that's- okay okay five minutes on orlando brown we'll get the hell out of here scott were you surprised right. by the destination for orlando brown jr i was
0: not surprised by the destination i was surprised by conference rivals
1: yeah i guess that's what i'm saying both so and in kansas and- city playing nice together I- yeah i
0: I am not surprised that Kansas City pulled this move off. Knowing what we've been talking about for the last year, six months, and then since the Super Bowl happened, Kansas City had to make a move to shore up that offensive line from what happened in the Super Bowl. We've been talking about offensive line. Is it an
1: overreaction?
0: It is an overreaction, but I'm okay with the overreaction sure. because of what we've been talking about within the last few weeks of we want to see teams make trades for a player, not just the draft. And if Kansas City down at 31 felt that they were not going to get the offensive lineman that they need for the future and knowing that Brown wanted a contract, Yes, that's a, more money that they're going to have to spend. But you, as the Kansas City Chiefs, are in an absolute win now with the Patrick Mahomes contract and Kelsey's contract and sure. every other guy that they're going to want to pay in the next three years. But if you can hit on getting to the Super Bowl again right now now with Mahomes where he is at, then you absolutely make this trade. Now you don't care about drafting an offensive lineman that you're going to have to mold and get him ready for four years from now. So I am absolutely okay with the overpay and the fact that a team made a trade for a player and did this move. Like we've been talking about.
1: I agree. They added Orlando Brown, Jr. Joe Tooney, Kyle Long. Austin Plythe to, you know, I I mean, if here's your Super Bowl starting offensive line, Scott. Mike Remmers, Nick Allegretti, Austin Ryder, Steph Wisniewski, Andrew Wiley. The only one back is Mike Remmers, and he's going to be your right tackle where he belongs, not your starting left tackle in your Super Bowl. Um, They added almost 51 million of guaranteed dollars to this offensive line this offseason. They forfeited three big draft picks they did get to get back number 58 along with brown so there's a little bit of uh, uh of draft value salvaged here where they can probably add some more bang for buck i wouldn't be surprised if it's another offensive lineman at 58. not at all not even a little bit um you know they could they could use some secondary help so they're probably going to focus much of their draft there but it's a overreaction in the best place possible yes absolutely you just can't have enough the proof is in the pudding I could, every time they made a move, including this Brown move, I just can't believe how little Seattle has done. Uh, I, I know it's a running I joke. Saw, I, I saw your tweet. Yeah, and, and I know I it's a running joke th- with this Russell Wilson stuff because people are calling him a crybaby or whatever you want to. They, they just don't do this. At no point in time, look it. We, we can talk about how important the quarterback is until we're blue in the face. The fact of the matter is, it's unarguable. How important this position is? It's un- it's not it's not even close. It's to me, it's not even close the most important position in all of sports anywhere. Better than hockey goalie. But be- it is the most single most important position in sports. So when you pay that position, when you invest your hard earned oil money in that position, whatever the you know tech money, wouldn't you do everything possible to? to to wrap a blanket and some bubble wrap and whatever the hell you need around it to make sure that the 200 plus million that you just pumped into it has the absolute best chance to succeed. So why hasn't Seattle done this? Russell Wilson was the highest average paid quarterback in football for over a year at 35 million, well over a year, okay? There was plenty of time where he was atop the mountain and Seattle was living on the edge with that. And they just didn't do it. They kept throwing draft picks, like mid round picks at it, cast off free agents from other organizations who they thought they could help or save or whatever the hell it was. At no point in time did you ever see anything close to this, which is a targeted, focused overreaction to one specific position group that that the only goal, like the the, the goal of this is not to make Clyde Edwards Hilaire better. (laughs) Okay. It's just not. That's going to help, but there is only one goal here, and that goal is $450 million wrapped in bubble tape. That's what it is. Yes. So I feel terrible for Russell Wilson. I feel terrible that he probably does want to get out, but it's not the right time contractually, so he really can't force the issue. Can't force his team to do it right now because it's, it's ugly. Now listen, we're talking Julio Jones, June 2nd, Russell Wilson's contract becomes financially tradable June 2nd. Okay. And if Seattle drops the ball over the next five days in this draft and they don't go and get a burner excuse me, not a burner, a big meathead to throw in this line to, to help Rashad Penny and Chris Carson run the ball and to help Russell Wilson from staying on his butt. Let's not discount that conversation coming back into fold because June 2nd, a post June 1st trader, Russell Wilson is doable. It's doable. Now, wouldn't that look interesting in New England?
0: That would look very interesting in Kay. New England. Very.
1: Now, or, to, to or Washington. Go ahead.
0: Or, oh, it, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. These Teams and that if, we're trying to team, figure out
1: how how do they go forward?
0: Yeah, and this if is a team plan. Th-
1: this is plan X, Russell Wilson. But it's not off the table. It can't be off the table.
0: No, not can't at be. All. No, and you're right. For a team, depending on how things fall in this draft, and if it, a team doesn't take a quarterback or whatever, sure, yeah, that is an absolute viable option because you know June first is not into training camp yet, so you could still get them into the system, understand everything. I to finish off the conversation, going back to Baltimore mm-hmm. with this trade, you know, I. I Baltimore gets a second first round pick. Kudos to them. They can probably, you know, if they don't take both, get two players with those picks, they could package them, move up. I will not be surprised if in the first two rounds they go for an offensive lineman. Sure. The difference between Baltimore making this move with Kansas City is Baltimore does not have to pay... Lamar Jackson right now with the extension they can wait till next year whereas Kansas City already has paid their quarterback so Baltimore has bought themselves a little bit of time here in in acquiring the extra draft pick to if they do take an offensive lineman they can see if that offensive lineman will gel and allow Lamar Jackson a year to see if Baltimore does want to extend him and if he can Progress with one more year experience. So you know, I, I get why Baltimore did this because. Oh, they Scott, did, I, it's even side.
1: more calculated than that, man. Because you're sending Brown. But by the way, if you haven't read the story on Brown and his father, if you, if you don't know, Orlando Brown Senior was a, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame right tackle for for the Baltimore Ravens for all these years. He's the late Orlando Brown now, and he played right tackle because. The left tackle was Jonathan Ogden, who was basically one of the goats. So his father literally went through the situation that that junior just went through in Baltimore, which was, uh, you know, he knows he's good enough to play on the left side of the field. But there's a guy named Ronnie Stanley over there who's on his way to the Hall of Fame as well and just got a gigantic contract. And he's going nowhere. He was injured last year. So Brown got the chance to slide over, show that he can he can contain that left side, which he did. So Baltimore got to showcase him. He got to showcase himself. This guy's a former third round pick and Baltimore flips him for multiple picks, including an extra first, which they get to now use on a right tackle late in the first round in a draft where there's tons of tackles. It's the perfect situation for Baltimore. It really, really is. And for Brown, everybody kind of wins out here. Um, But the fact that the Kansas city chiefs needed a left tackle and they're drafting where they're drafting 31st here. You're just not getting the viable left tackle at pick 31. This is the route you have to go with just, just so happens that this player in this position is sitting there. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just one of those scenarios where the cards fell right on both sides of the table. It's the perfect storm. I think everybody's going to win out here and you're right. They can slow play Lamar Jackson if they need to, but, uh, it's just a very interesting situation. And, and, and the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. got his wish, not only got his wish, got his wish on the, on the betting Super Bowl favorites. And he's going to get paid 20 million, upwards of $20, 20 million a year after the season. It's, uh, it's got to be a dream scenario for him. So interesting kind of late April t- trade here. And uh, again, I just can't, I can't look at something like this and, and not think about Seattle. I, I can't do it. I want better for Russell. I think we all do. I think I might even want them to hold out. Is that stupid?
0: Not at all. Not at all. Especially knowing what we just talked about five minutes ago with all the teams of possible trading up for a quarterback or are they going to take a quarterback? There's still teams that have question marks. So especially for the future.
1: I mean, what if the Raiders just said, we'll give you Carr and three firsts. Now you got, now you got a viable quarterback for this year in car. You can do whatever you want with them His you know, his contract's basically null and void. And then you go figure out the rest of your team. We're going to take Russell and <laughs> not have to worry about t- taking shitty first round picks from here out. If, if I'm Wilson, he already said the Raiders run his list.
0: Raiders run his list. But my question is, is their offensive line, you know, better than me. Is it's their better. offensive line better than what Seattle has right now? <sighs>
1: It was tenable last year. They ripped it up. Their left tackle is going to be good. Um, yeah, they're okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll take
0: okay. If it's, if it's an upgrade over Seattle, then I'm okay with that. Then if you're, you're Las Vegas and you want to have that splash, I would rather Las Vegas make that move. than take some goofy pick that I, we just talked about. I think about. that's right.
1: Well, I think that's right. I think they would too, Scott. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic, where much of this information came from. Theathletic.com slash spot Get yourself 40% off. Get yourself over to DynastyOwner.com. It's time for fantasy football with real NFL contracts, real average salaries. It's difficult. It's fun. It's complicated. It's a lot of work. And that's just how you super fantasy nerds love it. DynastyOwner.com today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Genotti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Talk Podcast.